This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, morning. My name's Mark. I'm one of the lead pastors here. You've met my wonderful wife already. Uh, Just before we start today's message, uh, there's a couple of notices I just want to quickly go through. Um, Just want to say a warm welcome to everyone who's visiting today. Uh, Whether this is your... uh, you're just passing through, you're taking this for a test drive, you're, you're very welcome. Um, and now I understand why God prompted me to put this at the start of the sermon. So um, I just want to talk about some of the, the facilities, the ways that we communicate with people who are part of the church. So uh, it all focuses around the Hope Church website, which is on the screen now. Uh, if you scroll right down to the bottom of the main page, there's a little button that says click here to join our mailing list. And if you didn't get an email from me this week, you're not on our mailing list, so I suggest that you join it up, um, and we'll keep you posted probably about once a month just with what's going on in Hope Church. But when you sign up to the mailing list, when a new person joins, it automatically sends a weekly email for a couple of weeks just to explain all about Hope Church, who we are, and how it all works. Also on the website, you'll find uh, all of our old sermons going back nine years since we started the church. They're available as video, audio, and there's podcasts on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Just search Hope Church Malmesbury. Uh, And lastly, if you want to give to the Ministry of Hope, we don't pass around a a basket or anything like that, but the details are all on the website. To make a card donation or set up a standing order, gift aid forms, and all of that wonderful stuff that helps us fund what we do, including... Mm -hmm. Now, you won't know if you're new here, but... Our new laser display boards that were just installed this week. So Hope Church has funded this installation as a gift to to the town. And apparently the the Lady Mayor and all her friends came up um, on Friday just as the installation was finished. And they were very pleased with what they saw, which is great. I'm sure it's going to be a real benefit to all the people that make use uh, of this building. Now, if you are on the mailing list, you would have seen on the list of things coming up that we were wanting to do a family quiz night on Saturday the 19th of November. Unfortunately, um, I was a little bit too slow getting my form in, and the lady mayor came in and has booked the room for a a charity fundraiser that night. So what I was thinking is, if we just move the family fun night to Sunday, and we'll just hang around after church, we'll have a bring and share meal, and then we'll do the big tier fun family quiz. Does that sound like a plan? Sunday the 20th of November, we'll all hang around, we'll have, have a meal together. So watch out for more details of that in the, e- in the email, so join the, the mailing list. Okay, so this week's message is, for those of you who are uh, visiting for the first time, uh, chapter 91 in our series called The Promise and the Purpose. We're going slowly through, verse by verse, everything in the Gospel of Luke. And this week we find Jesus in a synagogue, and he's teaching on the Sabbath, which was the Jewish uh, holy day. It was Saturday was the day of the week that he was. 
It was the day of rest and worship in the Jewish culture. And what we see played out in real life is the parable that Steve spoke about last week, the parable of the barren fig tree. If you recall that uh, in that story, there's a gardener that represents God, and you've got the fig tree that represents the nation of Israel, and the gardener goes in looking for fruit on the fig tree, and he doesn't find any. So this week, we've got uh, Jesus who walks into the synagogue looking for fruit in the lives of the religious leaders of the time, he doesn't find any. So it's like the start of a bad joke, doesn't it? A rabbi walks into a synagogue. So why don't uh, I'll read that to you. It'll come up on our, our laser screens as well. So we're in Luke chapter 13, verse 10, he goes like this. Now he, that's Jesus, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and she could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, he was indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the people, there are six days in which you ought to do your work. Come on one of those days and be healed, but not on the Sabbath. And then the Lord, that's Jesus, answered him. He said, you hypocrites. Don't each of you on your Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open your word to us this morning. You would open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to be humble and teachable. Speak to your children this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of my message this morning is, Woman, Thou Art Loosed, which is what the old-fashioned King James translation uh, says in this phrase. It means, woman, you are free. And this is the Lord's word to us all this morning. You are free. You are free. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are free. You are free. Now, originally when I wrote this, I said, turn to your neighbor and declare that I'm free. But knowing you lot, thank you, Steve, I knew it quickly turned into a bunch of bad John Inman impressions. So I thought, let's just leave it there. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, You're either South African or a child, and I'm old. So back on track. You are free. Jesus said it, so it must be true. He said it to the woman in the story, and through his work on the cross, he says it to us all today. Everyone who is a follower of Christ, you are free. You are free from the things that have been done to you, and you are free from the things that you've done to yourself. And this is what I want to share with you today. You can can categorize it in these three ways. We are free from spiritual oppression. We are free from physical weakness. We are free from the laws of man and free from self-inflicted wounds. But before we dive into that, I want to play a quick game with you. Look at the image on the screen. This game is called, is it pizza or is it cheesecake? (laughs) 
Is it pizza or is it cheesecake? Because the topping kind of looks like pizza, doesn't it? But the depth of it makes it look like a cheesecake. Well, it is a pizza. In fact, it is a genuine Chicago deep dish pizza, which is nothing like the Chicago deep dish pizzas you find in the freezers in Aldi. It is something completely altogether different. Because the base, if you look at it closely, it's more like pastry than bread. Thin and crispy, but deep like a, a pie case. And at the bottom of the pie case is cheese. Yes, at the bottom is the cheese. And then comes the filling, the sausages, the ham, the mushrooms. And then over the top goes the tomato sauce. That's right, cheese at the bottom, tomato sauce at the top. Mind blown. That is a Chicago deep dish pizza pie. And when I was fortunate enough to be in Chicago in August, I ordered one of these one night as a takeaway. Because the jet lag had caught up with me and I just wanted to stay in at the hotel. Now, even though the pizza restaurant was only half a mile away from my hotel, I could not go and pick it up because there are no footpaths in America. You have to drive everywhere. And one of the things I got used to using when I was in Chicago was this thing called Uber. Uber is amazing. Now, we don't have things like this in the wilds of Wiltshire, so let me just explain to the US country people what it is. Uber is, like, is an app that you have on your phone. Okay? You tell it where you want to go. And the app already knows where you are right now. And within a few minutes, a car turns up and it takes you wherever you want to go, to the shops, to the airport, to church. It is amazing. In fact, the, the Sunday that we were there, the same Uber turned up to collect us from church to take us back to the hotel, as had taken us to the church. And he arrived within like a minute of pressing the button on the app. He said, how did he get here so quick? He said, well, I stayed to go to church. Excellent. So it's not like here where you kind of phone for a taxi and you go, well, in about half an hour, someone might turn up. Right? Uber is great. You book the ride and immediately it shows you a photograph of the car that's going to turn up and a photograph of the driver so you know you're getting in the right car so it keeps you safe. But there's a little map and you can see your little car coming towards you so you know where it is. So at just the right time, you run downstairs, jump out the front door of the hotel, and there's your Uber. It is so clever. What is even more clever is the other app called Uber Eats. <laughs> and this time you order some food, like a Chicago deep dish pizza pie. And the driver goes to the restaurant, he collects your pizza, he brings it to your hotel and delivers it to you in the hotel lobby. This is the amazing world that we live in these days. You place your order and you can watch the progress in the app. First it says, Boom, your order has been received. And then it says, your food is being prepared. And then your pizza is in the oven. And a few minutes later, your pizza is on its way. And you can watch the little map and you see the little car coming with your pizza in it to your hotel and you run downstairs and go, ah, oh, there we go. And all that promised goodness is on its way. You know exactly when it's going to arrive. Now, there's one more app I wished Uber made. I wished you could get Uber Prayer. That you could put in your request to God and then see the answer 
on its way and know how long it was going to take until it arrives. Wouldn't that be good? Well, today's passage marks a turning point in the teaching that Jesus has been given so far through this section of Luke's Gospel. He's been talking a lot about the need for repentance, the need to change the way that you live your life and start to live for God. And now, starting today and for the next couple of weeks, he's going to start talking more about the kingdom of God. So in other words, having taught his followers, right, you need to change and start living like one of God's people, he's now going to tell them what that looks like to live as one of God's people. What it's like and what it's not like. And one of the things that is frustrating about God's kingdom, well, I find it frustrating. You might all be much more holy than me, and maybe this isn't something that you struggle with. But one of the things I find that can be a struggle sometimes is when it comes to God's kingdom, it's, it's the what and the when. The what and the when. See, we know what God has promised, but we don't know when it's going to turn up. I want that Uber prayer app. I want to know where it is on its way. You know, we know what will happen at the end of days. You can go and read the book of Revelation. You know, the end, jump to the end of the book of history. We know what's going to happen on the end times. We don't know when. We don't know when it's going to happen. And the woman in today's story, it says that she'd waited 18 years for God to heal her. Now, and I've known some people who've been sick with a disease, and in a moment, God heals them instantly. And then someone else with the same disease, going to the same church even, praying the same prayers, many years later, they're, they're still waiting for their promise to arrive. We don't have an Uber prayer app that allows us to see the answers to our prayers on their journey to us. Sometimes I think it's like that story in the Old Testament about the prophet Daniel who has an encounter with an angel and the angel says, I started out to bring you the answer to your prayer as soon as you prayed, but I got held up by the prince of Persia, this evil angel, this demon that was getting in the way. And the apostle Paul says in his letter to the church in Corinthia, Corinth rather, he says, for today, you know, for now, we see in a mirror dimly. We've got an idea about what's going on, but we can't see clearly all the time. And I don't have time to kind of dig into the detail about why we see this delay sometimes in the Bible's promises turning up into our lives. But if you want to explore that topic in more detail, you'll find on our website, as mentioned earlier, there's a, there's a sermon series called Mind the Gap. That kind of digs into that in a lot more detail. But that detail was just by way of introducing this idea that, that God said he wanted me to remind you this morning is this. The timing of the arrival of a promise does not affect the truth of that promise. The timing of the arrival of a promise does not affect the truthfulness of that promise. Now, all of God's promises are yes and amen, the Bible tells us. Whether we wait a day or a decade to see the answer arrive. The prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament, he was talking about um, 
is writing a, a, a vision from God and he's talking about the, this, this vision. They're waiting to see this arrive and he says, the vision awaits for its appointed time. It hastens, it won't lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, for surely its day will come and it will not delay. So if God's given you a vision of something that you're waiting for, keep on praying, keep on waiting. It will arrive like Gandalf the Grey, exactly at the right time and when it needs to. Okay, back to the Bible. So Luke chapter 13. So what are the promises of freedom that are in there? The first one is the freedom from spiritual oppression. Yeah, that's what Jesus gave this woman. In verse 11, it, it says, there was a woman she'd been disabled, had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over. There's no doubt that the cause of this woman's problem was there's something spiritual going on. It wasn't a purely medical problem. This disabling spirit was causing her body to be bent over. And the Son of God says, woman, you are freed from your disability. He laid his hands on her and immediately she stood up straight. How did this happen? Because we read in another part of the Bible, in the book of Colossians, it says that when Jesus died on the cross, verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame and triumphed over them. He's talking about um, spiritual rulers and authorities. So Jesus is in charge of all these evil spirits that give us problems. Lydia and I have been taking it in turns to get up at five o'clock in the morning to take our puppy out for the toilet. And then uh, she likes to curl up on the sofa and watch documentaries with me. Uh, the puppy, not Lydia. <laughs> and I've become quite addicted to this TV show called Welcome to Wrexham. And it's a documentary about football, which is interesting because I'm not interested in football at all. But this documentary is about what happens when two Hollywood stars buy a football club in North Wales. Sort of like Ted Lasso in real life. Uh, and this week, there was an episode about football hooligans. And since it was an American TV show, they had to kind of pause and explain what a hooligan is. Because you don't get hooligans in American spectator sports. So, you know, so culturally, they, they don't see it. And it kind of occurred to me that when we read in the Bible about evil spirits, demonic spirits, they're like the hooligans of the spiritual world. Yeah, these dark powers and principalities that were defeated when Jesus rose from the dead at Easter. But for now, they're still running around causing problems, mugging people unsuspectingly. And just like a policeman can say to a football hooligan, in the name of the law, stop that. We can say, in the name of Jesus, to these spiritual hooligans, that they need to behave. They might try on with us, but we can tell them where to go in Jesus' name. So this is the first of the freedoms that we find in this passage. Freedom from spiritual oppression. The second that's related to that is freedom from physical weaknesses. Jesus said to this woman, literally translated, it says, Woman, you have been released from your weaknesses. And whenever Jesus performed a miracle and healed someone during his ministry here on earth, not only was he demonstrating the truth of the fact that he was the promised Messiah of the Jews, because the ability to perform miracles of healing was one of the signs that had been prophesied that the Messiah would have, but Jesus was also 
pointing prophetically. He was signposting what would happen on the cross, which the Apostle Peter talks about in his letter. He says, He bore our sins in his body on that tree, that we might die to sin, live to righteousness, and by his wounds we have been healed. And this is the second promise. The promise is the freedom for physical ailments because God is the one who forgives our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. We love and support all of our doctors and they're very talented. But it's God working through them that brings healing. Remember, timing is not an indicator of the truthfulness of God's promises. So every situation where we're praying and waiting to see God move, and maybe we see this most of all when we're praying for someone who is unwell. We should pray persistently until we see the promise come to pass. I'll just share with you something that kind of relates to this. Now, for some time, maybe a, a year or two, I've had this kind of nagging... I'll behave. I was saying, nagging pain in my neck, and there she is, sat in the front row. No, but I've had this nagging pain in my lower back and in and my neck across here. And it would come and it would go, and I obviously prayed about it. But one day I got really frustrated and asked God, why is this nagging pain not going away? And the Lord, he said something back to me. One of those rare occasions when I could actually write down the words of what God said. He spoke clearly. Are you ready for this? Deep revelation. From the throne of heaven to my heart. This is what God said. If you sit on a sharp rock, you'll get a sore bum. God used the B word. Now, to put that in context, I'd been procrastinating for some time about buying a new office chair. The one I was sitting on was not really designed to be sat on eight hours a day. So it's no surprise I had a sore back. So God basically said, well, if you're going to sit on an uncomfortable chair not designed for the job, don't be surprised if you get a sore bum. I bought a proper office chair and life is much better now. See, sometimes we make problems for ourselves. And our freedom comes when we just listen and obey to the voice of practical wisdom. You know, Satan wasn't stealing my inheritance. I was just sitting on a crappy old office chair. Now, I'll get to the third and main point of today's message. The third type of freedom that Jesus gives us that we see exemplified in today's story is this. We get freedom from man-made religious laws. Freedom from man-made religious laws. Yes, Jesus, when he came, he freed the nation of, of Israel, his people from all the laws of Moses. You know, we thank God that we don't have to memorize and keep all the rules we find in Numbers and Deuteronomy and how you have to weave your cloth and all that stuff. That no longer applies since Jesus came. But actually what Jesus was specifically talking about in today's passage was man-made additions to God's law. If you recall in verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue, the, the pastor, if you like, or the priest in charge of, the, of the, the church, was indignant because Jesus had healed someone on the Sabbath, on the holy day of rest. So he said to the people, to the assembled congregation, look, there are six days when you can do your work, Come on one of those days if you want to be healed, but don't come on the Sabbath day. And of course, Jesus just 
goes right back at him and exposes the hypocrisy. He says, look, you look after your animals on the Sabbath. You've got all these little loopholes. Well, it's not really work if you're putting water down for your donkey. And yet, a person... People are much more valuable than donkeys. Healing this woman who's been in painful disability for 18 years is more important right, than giving some water to an ox. They'd become so focused on keeping the letter of the law that forgot what the law was supposed to be there for, for the benefit of God's people, to give them a, a day when they weren't working, to take some rest and have time to spend worshipping God. So here we have in today's story, we have a man in church leadership telling a woman what she can and cannot do. Do you notice the synagogue leader, he tells the woman off for coming for healing. He doesn't tell Jesus off for doing a miracle. He tells the woman off for coming for healing. And I think this is the final promise of freedom the Lord wants to learn from this passage. In the words of the King James, Woman, thou art loosed. But I wanted to call today's sermon Loosed Women, but <laughs> Diddy wouldn't let me. But actually, I need to, to pay attention to this. To every woman here, regardless of how old you are, you are loosed. You are free to serve God however he calls you to serve him. You are free from all man-made religious laws, preconceptions and societal norms that will try and tell you what you can and can't do in church. Or in fact, in any part of your life. In the 16th century, the Reformation swept through Europe and the Protestant church was born, the split away from Roman Catholicism. And in doing so, they restored many truths that we understand and hold as normal and plainly seen in the New Testament today, such as we are, we are saved by grace. It's a gift from God. You don't have to work your way into heaven. But the Reformation and all the churches that grew out of it were also a reflection of the middle-class white men that were doing this Bible study and teaching this stuff and the social norms of the time. And we can still see some of those 16th century attitudes to women in some parts of the church today. Adding man-made rules, man-made mindsets in the way they understand what they read in the Bible and then trying to push that on people. For example, in the 16th century, if you're a woman, you were not allowed to be a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher. So it's maybe sort of understandable that when this new job was invented, being a church leader, because up until that point you had to be an ordained priest from Rome, and now suddenly in the Protestant church, anyone could be a church leader. Well, it's, it's a profession. Women can't join the profession, so obviously women can't be church leaders. So went the 16th century thinking. But as a result of that, what happens in so much of the church today, half the team is left on the bench. Use another football analogy. Yeah, the women are watching while the men are playing. Well, that's not our position here at Hope Church. Yeah, men and women, we believe, are 
equal in God's eyes. We have women in leadership, leading house groups, as elders, as pastors, as trustees of our charity. But to every woman here, Jesus is saying, echoing down through the ages, you are free. Free from man-made religious laws that are trying to tell you what you can and cannot do to serve God in the church, in his kingdom, in his society. And to everyone here, God is reminding us that we must not let man-made, limited mindsets and understandings tell us what we cannot do for God. And it's my prayer that each and every one of us, that every day we walk out the truth of God's promise from Philippians, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All things. So the purpose of today's scripture is to remind us that we are free, free from spiritual hooligans, free from physical weakness, and free from man-made religious rules that are trying to add stuff to what God says. And when we pray, we should pray in expectation and faith, knowing that, that timing is not a sign of truthfulness, and expect God's promises to be yes and amen. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to another kind of yoke or slavery. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have. Give us wisdom to spot and avoid the traps that seek to yoke us again under man-made rules. In Jesus' name, we pray for the freedom of everyone here who is being oppressed by spiritual forces. We pray for healing for everyone who needs to see that promise in their body today. And we pray release for every woman and every man who feels restrained by words or attitudes that have been spoken over them that has limited their choices and their options. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us here at Hope Church. I'm going to be hanging around for a little while. So is Lydia, if you want to chat to us, want some prayer, then we would be delighted to do that. Otherwise, be good, be happy, be holy. We'll see you next week. Bye for now.